भगवते वासुदेवाया So um tonight is actually a very auspicious time in the ancient Vedic calendar and this is called Ram Panchami and na- yeah Navami sorry it is the celebration of a great transcendental personality Sri Ramchandra who was an ancient king that was um an extremely magnanimous and spiritually powerful individual who is described as being patita pavana which means he is the savior of the most fallen which speaks to his very magnanimous and transcendental nature so just recognizing this um very wonderful and auspicious time so um continuing from last week we're looking at at anger and um i i i want to just deal with something really quickly first we have broadly stated that anger like all negative emotions is not a good thing in saying that i have on a number of occasions had people speak to me about how that um upset them they didn't like the idea and last thursday we i have a um a 10 week course we're doing in in Henderson to a uh trust the family action trust to um people that have been a group that's um been on the receiving end of of violence and anger and often sexual abuse as well and it 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 is a reality that what a methodology that is put forward by and and widely accepted amongst psychiatrists and people in the counseling community is that people that have been lived a life of being very kept down by somebody else's anger that you need to become angry yourself and and make a stand and so if you say that anger is bad people that have heard that naturally become sort of like a little bit disoriented and confused my response to people that become a little disoriented and confused is firstly you've got to think the person that is subjugating you through anger and perhaps mentally or physically beating you can you ever say that that's a good thing and of course the answer is is no and just to clarify the the word anger is sometimes 
from, from the perspective of the ancient sages is misused. When we speak of anger, we're speaking of an all-consuming emotion that when it becomes manifest, there is a complete loss of control. There is a total loss of any spiritual vision whatsoever. You cannot, when you are consumed by this emotion, have a spiritual thought in your head, nor can you act in a spiritual way. And so when I speak of anger, I'm speaking of, of this really unfortunate state. And while we're speaking of anger specifically, we're actually also addressing a broad range of different types of, of negative emotions, that, you know, like fear and, and jealousy or envy of others, or, you know, there's a whole slew of things. Uh, from the yogic perspective, they also consider when a person becomes swept away by positive emotions, that it is considered practically equally as bad. Because in a state of heightened emotions, where your mind has pretty much taken control, you should not be making decisions about what you are going to do or what you're going to say, because it will be subject to change. And often these expressions are done, you know, in a heightened state of self-centeredness. This is the characteristic of, of highly emotional states. It is just a total absorption in oneself. But it's not even a, an absorption in one's true self, their actual spiritual being. It's, a, it's an absorption in that which is temporary and that which is passing. Your body, your mind, the identities that you adopt through those things are temporary. They are not who you actually are. And so when you get caught up in that, and you get swept in this flow of emotion, there is no concept of, of one's actual deeper spiritual being, your essence of who you truly are. One is simply overwhelmed by the moment. We, we you know, these talks that we do here, <laughs> they're just like so brief. These subjects are really deep, and they are very profound. And there's a lot of interrelated, interconnected, interwoven things that go on in these situations. Like in, in the yogic teachings, they talk about three particular types of, of energy that form a larger group. This is called the three guna, the three qualities, um, sometimes referred to as the three modes of, of material nature, and they are ignorance, passion, and goodness. And how a person can just suddenly be hit by these different things. And they're just like all over the place, even in one day, even in one hour, people can go. I mean, just 
watch kids at play. You know, they go from everybody's happy to just die. <laughs> and like it's the end of the world, you know, back to everything's cool again, you know, just in a, in a matter of 15 minutes, there can be monumental shifts. And so it is also with adults, we just become a little bit more socially aware. And so we sort of like control, you know, so these things just don't burst out. Kids are not very socially aware, whatever's going on in their mind, whatever the feeling just, you know, not just bubbles to the surface, it often boils to the surface. This is the characteristic and, and what is terribly wrong with excessive emotional, and I'm going to say imbalance. It, it brings about an imbalance. One loses, as I said, a spiritual perspective. And one just simply is, is caught up in, in themselves and what they're feeling. And this expression of anger that I'm speaking of, the actual foundation of anger, is often used to try and get something that you want. You're going to intimidate somebody to stop behaving in a certain way and make them behave in another way. Or there is some frustration that you want something and you're not getting it, and so you just you know, manifest that frustration. This is the nature of the anger that I'm, that I'm speaking of. And, and why in the yoga system there was this, you know, huge need to become very aware of it and find a way to deal with things, to find a way to live where we are not being overwhelmed by our minds and our emotions. We are living a life of purpose, of great spiritual purpose and focus, that we are making decisions, choices, we are taking actions that are in our best interest and the best interest of others around us. This is the state of being where one can be truly categorized as a human being. Um, next talk, which is not next weekend because it's Easter, the weekend after, we're going to look at addressing a cure or something that, that helps us address anger. There was a great warrior. He was a very elderly person who took a great vow, a vow to never marry. His name was Bhishma, Bhishma Deva. And he fought in a, in a very great battle and was killed, but he did not die instantly. His body was shot full of arrows so quickly that when he fell from his chariot, it said no one part of his body touched the ground. He was like suspended. But because he was also a very great yogi, he chose not to die at that time, and he um, maintained the life within his body for a number of days in this very horrific situation. And his grandsons approached him after the battle. They were great 
princes and warriors also and spoke to him. And, and he delivered this amazing discourse about the purpose of human life, about compassion, about love, about duty, about how one can find tremendous value in their life. And in discussing these things, he spoke about nine qualities that make it so a person can be considered human. And not possessing these nine qualities, one is considered less than human, animal-like. And the very first one on that list is to not become angry. It's like, <laughs> what? You know, this was the standard, the standard that, that he spoke of for such a high standard of living, of such compassion and care, of such deep spiritual, um, spiritually directed life. So we'll be addressing, you know, some of the things that can be done to try and address and improve our life and make it so that we become more humane, more compassionate, more caring. I mean, one of the one of the biggest bummers about anger, there is an instant loss of empathy. In the moment of anger, you cannot feel what anybody else is feeling. And if you are so angry, you may be even beating someone, beating them to a pulp, and you don't feel an ounce, an ounce of connectedness. You don't experience anything of what that person's going through. So this, this disconnection from others the inability to feel empathy has at its root, you know, this, this utter self-centeredness, which can be easily manifest with such emotions as anger. The opposite, the opposite condition is more easily understood If we consider what it is to love. Now, I, I am, we're not getting into the details of, of, of love. There is a spiritual perfection connected with love, which we desire and which is attainable in this lifetime. But probably the purest form, if I can put it that way, and I'm doing that not just figuratively, the purest form of love that one can actually often see is probably a mother with a very particularly young child. Where, I mean, if you've got these images, I, if you take a look I've, I've on, on my... <laughs> My Facebook thing, I'm, when I put up the video, I've got a little slate done all, already. On one side, we have a person whose face is just filled with raging anger. And the 
other side of that, we've got a woman holding a very little baby, nuzzling, you know, and just like overpouring. This love is just flowing out where the mother doesn't want anything from the child. The mother doesn't expect anything. The mother's not demanding, you have to be a certain way and then I love you. There is actually, you know, this is probably one of the highest states in the material world of of some selflessness. I mean, like a, a very great degree of selflessness where I love someone and I don't think why or how, I simply feel this connection and this desire to protect, this desire to give things, to bring good experience, to bring goodness as much as I can to this wonderful little person that I have been given charge of in my life. And that bond is is very deep and wonderful. And in it, one feels a kind of joy that you don't experience probably when the kid gets bigger and gets hairy legs and starts getting all smelly. I mean, (laughs) when that little, you know, the smell of babies, most people really drawn to it. It's this wonderful aroma and everything. And, And it's just like, okay, nobody's arguing with me. Nobody's fighting back. Somebody just needs protection. Somebody needs care. I have to do things for it. In fact, my life is now completely taken over. I've made this commitment where I'm going to get up in the middle of the night. If the baby becomes sick, I will, you know, go out of my way and make all kinds of sacrifices for their well-being. So that is like a little window into the height of actual spiritual love, where it is found upon a complete selflessness. I'm not into it for what I can get. I'm I'm doing this. It is an expression of a profound affection that I am feeling. And I am going to make sacrifice and do what's needed. This is a little glimpse into this higher spiritual perfection of love that is called prema. So when we look at these two things, I think, and if we really take time to sort of meditate on that and reflect on it a little, it gives you an insight into what is wrong with total self-centeredness that is expressed more often than not with these very negative emotions and and is so pronounced with, with anger. How one becomes disconnected from my deeper spiritual, my actual spiritual nature where I have just stepped into the world of a raging mind and a world of total self-centeredness. And I'm just so pissed that I'm not getting what I want. 
and I'm going to do whatever's required to extract what I want. <laughs> it's like, whoa, you know, that's, that's so horrific. It's actually so horrific, and it's very disconnected from the nature of the soul itself, the living being, the atma, your spiritual nature. So the process of yoga is very much a focus upon regaining this intimate awakening of my true and eternal spiritual nature and beginning to purposefully live a life where I am making choices to act in ways, to deal with others in ways that bring me spiritual enlightenment, that help me in the awakening of my true spiritual identity. If I become overly absorbed in the temporary body, which is only destined for death, doesn't go anywhere else. Sorry, that's where it all goes. It is a temporary thing. Your time in this body, you know, you are a transient. And if you become overly invested in the body and the mind and disconnected from your eternal and true spiritual nature and identity, your life will just, it will be unhappy. I'm sorry, it doesn't, it doesn't, there's no other possibility. There may be moments of sensual delight and, you know, titillation and excitement. That passes really quickly. And you're just left with that ugly and unfortunate reality of being disconnected from your own spiritual identity and others and the world and just feeling unhappy and alone. So addressing not just anger, which I mentioned last week has been categorized in the Bhagavad Gita as one of the three gates to hell, meaning a place of great unhappiness and suffering. If you are going to live in that consciousness, if that's going to be something that's really constantly manifesting in your life and you're not seeking to exercise any control over, it's not possible to live in a state of happiness, to find contentment. It's, it's not, not a possibility. So um, this is a big subject, as, as I said, and please do, do think about it. If there is something that I have said that in any way sort of like, you know, you, you're a little startled by or don't like or whatever, don't, don't just immediately discard things. Take time to try and understand this message. I may be a, an extremely imperfect messenger. Nonetheless, the message, the, the essential message is so important for you and for your happiness, for you to come to a point of spiritual awakening and to experience something profoundly wonderful. It's 
incredibly important. So please just take a deep breath and step back if any of it you find a little difficult and just consider it over time. This process that we engage in of this chanting of these spiritual or transcendental sounds is the process that will bring about a transformation of consciousness. It will change the way that you are looking at yourself and others and this world and your place and everything. It will bring a profound change. It will take some time for most of us. It's going to be a gradual process, but it is definitely a vehicle to bring about that change. Okay, that's a lot to handle if you actually really took time to think about it and to look at it in relation to our own life. Not anybody else. We don't have to point a finger and hassle somebody else about their unfortunate condition or anger or anything. You know, if we, if we speak to anyone about their anger, it should be with a view. It should first and foremost be driven by compassion, that we have great difficulty seeing somebody in such a destructive state. In the Vedas, compassion has been defined as the inability to tolerate the suffering of others. When we see anybody in a suffering condition, even if they're considered my enemy or somebody attacking me, we should have enough spiritual intelligence to see their state, to see that they are simply overwhelmed by all of these forces and things that here we have a, an incredible spiritual being who has utterly lost the plot. And while I may be inflicting unhappiness or difficulty upon me, I should feel pity for them, not anger at them. I should feel pity for them. And if I seek to try and help them, to speak words of kindness, to find a way to sort of get through... It should be not first and foremost a self-defense. It should be a desire to not see them in this great state of unhappiness and suffering. That is what we are called upon to do. If we are to come to any kind of spiritual position, we are called upon to try to see things with this vision and to act on that. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. <laughs>